Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good morning, church. It's great to see all of you today. It's great to see all of my favorite people sitting in one place. I'm excited to continue the series, The Genius of Jesus. Today, I want to talk about discipleship, the genius of discipleship. Discipleship is something, it's a word that we don't often use um, in the year 2022. We don't necessarily use it around the dinner table. It's definitely not used in corporate world, but I believe it's a word um, that is near and dear to Jesus's heart. One of the phrases that Jesus would say all the time in his ministry, I think he's still saying it today, he would say, come, follow me. It didn't matter how you were living, didn't matter who you were friends with, didn't matter whether you'd ever been to the temple before, he always extended the invitation, come, follow me. And in Matthew chapter four, I'll just set the stage for it. We'll turn to verse 18 in just a moment. Pastor Joel preached on chapter three last week on baptism. But Jesus has just been baptized. He's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Notice he's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He wasn't led there by the devil. Sometimes you will have hard times in life. Jesus said, you'll have trial, you'll have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus passed the test at his weakest, went back to the city, started his ministry, but shortly after that, he spends a night in prayer, and he starts to build his team, and he goes to them one by one, and we find the story of verse 18. It says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Verse 21, a little farther at the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. I love this little sentence, and he called them too, and they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind, and I still think he says the same thing to us today. Come, follow me. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we're grateful for you. We thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. We welcome your presence in the room today. I pray that as I speak to the outside, that you're speaking to the inside of your people. God, I pray that you give us the gift of ears to hear, eyes to see, and a willing heart to understand. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, I'm gonna need 100% honesty on this. Uh, has anybody in here ever taken some advice you shouldn't have? Yes. Whew, yes, that should be every single hand. We have all taken advice before that we later regretted. Um, sometimes it's super tricky because we know we shouldn't trust some people, but even the perfect person, not everybody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect, but even the great people can sometimes lead us astray a little bit. I remember the year was 2012. I was 24 years old. I had just gotten engaged to my beautiful young fiance. Uh, Angel got married later that year. 
But someone close to me told me about this exciting opportunity. He told me about this traveling company that sold memberships. Um, and they sold memberships for $350, one-time fee, but then you got a reoccurring fee every month after that. Um, you already know where I'm going with this. But, but, <laughs> but your membership got waived if you got three people to sign up. And they stayed signed up. And their tagline, just so you know, I wasn't that young and dumb. I was young and dumb. But their tagline was super enticing. It was, you should be here. You should be here. And they, they would have all these individuals, these couples, these families holding up this blue sign in the most exotic places on earth, at the ocean, in Paris, the Grand Canyon, wherever it is, you're on social media, you're like, wow, they took a great trip. They took those pictures and they said, you should be here. And the play was that you could earn points or cash back based on how many people you got to sign up, and then you got to take what they called a dream trip, where all expenses were waived, paid, um, even if you were really, really good. If I think if, if you got 16 people or something like that, you got a leased BMW on the company's dime, free of charge. It sounded so good. And my 22-year-old fiance had her dream life flash before her eyes as she heard about this, and we were invited once again uh, to hear about this pitch to somebody that I trusted and loved, and, and I still trust and love, but I go to their house, and they're offering free food to all these young, poor college students, uh, and they got this bait, and we show up to the house, and they make the pitch, free food, all these people I look up, remind to are there, and Angel looks at me, she said, Brandon, we need this, we gotta get this. I was like, who's we? She said, about a month, it's gonna be us. We need this. If you want there to be a we, you better sign up, right? She, she didn't go that far. And reluctantly, against my already skeptical nature, I pulled out my card, I paid that one-time fee, and we signed up. You probably already know how that ended. We couldn't not sign up or cancel our subscription soon enough within a couple months, once we saw the direction this was going. Some things in life are too good to be true. Amen. And they are. But one thing in your life that will never be too good to be true is Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He is your Redeemer. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. If you're sick, He's your healer. If you have lack, He's your provider. If you need someone to follow, he is your master, Jesus. And when he says, come, follow me, you can trust him at his word. It's not too good to be true. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, and he gives us his, our marching orders now that he is leaving, now that he's returning to heaven. Verse 18 Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
why is this so important? Why is discipleship so important to Jesus that he gives us these marching orders to disciple people? Because it hasn't changed. You know, Jesus hasn't given a second great commission. It's not something that every year at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year, he writes out, this is what we did great. This is what we can do better. Christians, kingdom on earth, right? And he gives us a new commission. No, it's still the same. It's still the same great commission. Go and make disciples. Everyone is invited to come, follow me. Jesus gave us a model, not just to read about, but to live out. A model to live, to follow. Some of you in here, maybe a lot of you in here have heard about my experience. I was 18 years of old, 18 years old. I was at a Christian school in Carrollton, Texas, and we had a campus youth pastor who was a youth pastor of the church, and he would do a lot of the chapels, but me and a handful of other students that year, I believe for the first time, we started doing chapels, and we were on fire for God. Uh, we were probably horrible preachers because we had just started, um, but we were just happy to be up there and minister and, and follow what we believed was our purpose. And I remember um, one day, towards the end of the year, he heard me speak, and he invited me to lunch, and I was really excited. This is somebody that I looked up to, admired, asked me to lunch, and he got me out of school, and I got to miss two periods of school. Uh, my campus youth pastor is our senior pastor, Pastor Joel, and he, I got in his car, silver Suzuki, if I'm remembering right, and we, uh, black interior, super, well, anyway, Japanese car. Of course, a ninja would buy a Japanese car. And uh, we went to this amazing Asian culinary experience, something that I'd never had before, Payway. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Payway, and we're in line, and I remember I'd forgotten about this until a few years ago. I had this red notebook, and I had pre-prepped for this meeting, and I had arranged my questions I wanted to ask this person that I admired. And I'm in line, and he probably felt like he was getting an interview. We sat down, and I got my questions answered. I remember we pull up back to the front of the uh, school, and he, he probably did the obvious thing. I don't know or not, but he's like, man, this kid's hungry. And he offered to train me. And he's like, hey, I know you're going away to school in a couple years, but what if I train you and I show you the ropes of ministry? 17 years later, still together. What was he doing? He was living the model. He was being discipled by Jesus. He was being mentored by others. And because somebody had invested in him, he then invested in somebody younger, somebody that needed training, somebody that needed leadership and guidance. Living the model. And ever since then, over and over and over again, I can't help it, I do the same exact thing. Because once you've been invested in, you can't help but become the investor. Maybe you say, Brandon, that must be nice, but I've never had this experience. Let me say it like this then. Be the leader you wish you had. Be the leader that you wish you had. You know, it can be very easy to really want, man, I wish I had this leader, this person to show me the ropes, but if you haven't had that, and even if you've had a great leader, there is no perfect leader besides Jesus Christ, what if you started to be the person 
Be the leader that you wish that you had in your life. Because guess what? The world needs you. The world needs your presence. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose, you have a reason for being here. So take those experiences and go be the person you wish you have. Because there are three there's three levels of friendship and relationship in life when it comes to discipleship. And I'll throw it up on the screen behind me. Number one, very easy, those you follow. Two, those you walk with. Three, those you lead. And you know what? You shouldn't just take one of those. If you wanna live a healthy, mature, balanced life, you find a way to do all three. Notice I said find a way. You know this stuff won't just happen to you? You know living like Jesus isn't an accident? You know going to the next level in life won't just happen unless you take a leap of faith, press against the fear, and go do what God has called you to do in life, to follow him. Maybe if you're older in here, you feel like maybe there isn't someone to follow in life. Can I just say two things? One, by all means, be at a church, be under pastors that you feel like you respect, you feel like you can emulate, that you feel like you can learn from. Find somebody in your area. And number two, learn from those that have gone before us. We are so spoiled in the year 22, 2022. We can read any book, we can listen to any podcast, I can know what George Washington was thinking, I can know what Aristotle wrote about, I can know what Thomas Edison, all the inventions that he had, we can know all of this. And we're too busy scrolling social media with hardly any value and not reading the annals of time, getting ahead, learning in history. You know the only way not to repeat history is to not read it. Not read it, not know what happened. You, anyway, this whole last two years, it's happened before. It's happened before, it happened 100 years ago. It's a cycle. Recessions, they happen, it's a cycle. It's nothing to worry about. Does it stink sometimes? Yeah. Because we want whatever happens in life to be predictable and know, so that we know what's coming. But if you knew everything that was coming, it wouldn't require faith and it requires faith to please God. So you can't know everything, but he's given you his word. He's given you history. And two of the greatest learners that I know in my life that do this are my parents. They're in the late 60s, they read anything they can get their hands on. I don't know anybody with their type of relentless drive. I don't. And my dad's getting closer to 70, he's like, don't even talk to me about retirement, I'm not gonna retire, I'm gonna refire. I'm gonna refire, man. Come on, give me, come on. Man, there is no time to quit. There's no time. Man, that's the rowdy service. So what does discipleship look like? Three things, number one, faithfully, not perfectly following Jesus. The very first person that you need to learn how to follow is Jesus. That's the number one thing you need to do in life. Let's go ahead and put it. It has to be number one. You're gonna hear about it. But notice I said the words faithfully, not perfectly. You know how many times I've blown it? 
You know how many times I made a boneheaded mistake that any mentor in my life could say, Brandon, that, that's a dumb decision, don't do that, and then do it anyway? But King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said the righteous are like those that fall, but then get back up. You know everybody's gonna fall. The people that you admire, that you wanna emulate, you know they're falling. The difference between the people that you respect and the people that you don't respect are the ones who you respect have the ability to get back up. To get back up, because we've all had hard times in life. We've all had things that we feel like we couldn't come back from. But the righteous get back up, because you're not alone. You're not here alone, the Holy Spirit is with you, he is in you. When you know that you have God inside of you, everything changes. Man, you want a different mindset? Then read that you have the mind of Christ, you have a supernatural advantage. You're not like everybody else. But as hard as life can be sometimes, you can probably notice that your walk with Jesus is not a straight line up. It's not. Nobody's is. Unfortunately, our walk with Jesus sometimes is a lot like the market. A little bit up, a little bit down, a little bit up, a little bit down. Going up for a while, 2022 is gonna go down. But eventually, it'll come back up. Everything that goes down must come back up. It gets up. It's all about progress, not perfection. Luke 12, verse one in the message shows us where Jesus' primary concern was. It says, by this time the crowd, unwieldy and stepping on each other's toes, numbered into the thousands. But Jesus' primary concern was his disciples. You know, Jesus spoke in front of crowds as big as 5, 10, 20, 35,000 when he fed the 5,000 men. But the men had wives, they had kids. The crowd could have been as big as 30, 35,000 people. And they were having way more kids back then than we are now. So it might have been even more than that. But it says no matter, even though he had this huge crowd, they weren't his concern. His primary concern was his disciples. And I think the same is true today that you as a disciple of Jesus Christ are his primary concern. You're what he thinks about. You're the one that he wants to succeed. He is very much invested in you. Let's address another truth as you are discipled by Jesus. God is not in the habit of giving a second word when you haven't obeyed the first one yet. God is not in the habit of giving you a second word when you haven't obeyed the first one yet. All the parents in the room, does anything drive you more nuts than when you have asked your child, who you love most of the time, to do something, and they take their sweet time doing it? Hallelujah, thank you, yeah. They take their sweet time doing it. And then they have the audacity to ask you for money to go out and they haven't even done it yet. Like you, as a good parent, God is not in the habit of giving you a second word when you haven't obeyed the first one yet. Life is a lot like 
school. You gotta pass the year and level you are at to move on to the next level. And you will get chance after chance after chance to succeed. But I got news for you. Not everybody who ages up has grown all the way up. Age, not awareness, leads to wisdom. And are you doing what is put in front of you? So what does this look like? Galatians chapter five, verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That word walk is often translated live, and it painted the picture of somebody that walked around or lived in an environment, maybe where they worked, their house, their neighborhood, they had walked it so frequently and for so many years, they know exactly where everything is, so much so that if you put a blindfold around their eyes, chances are they would know where they're going. Last night, when you had to use the restroom at 3 a.m., did you turn on every light of the house? Nope. You kept your eyes as closed as possible because you wanted to stay asleep, <laughs> awake asleep. But that's your, that's your bedroom, that's your bathroom. You know exactly where to go because you've lived there in the same way Paul is saying, get so familiar in following Jesus by walking in the Spirit that even when the darkest nights come, even when the toughest times in life happen, you still know what to do, you still know where to go, you still know who you're following, it's still the same God that was there 10 years ago, five weeks ago. He's still right here, and guess what? He's gonna be there down in the future, and you're walking in the Spirit. Brandon, what does that look like? Four verses later, verse 22 and 23, Paul says that as you walk in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and save for last because it's the hardest one of all, self-control. That's what your life is gonna look like as you walk in the Spirit. And this all comes by faithfully, not perfectly following Jesus. Number two, the way to have open doors in life is to have mentors in the fight. Life is a fight. And I don't know about you, but I need all the help that I can get. I need all the help that I can get. And the quickest way to get ahead is to have a mentor, to listen to your mentor, and then apply their solutions to your problems in life so that you're no longer doing the same thing, like you're in a hamster wheel repeating the same deal, but now you have the secrets of the wise because mentoring helps you go further, it helps you go faster, and it helps you get there more successfully than you would have if you didn't have it. One of the pastors I listened to, Jensen Franklin, he said there's two ways to learn. Number one, the way of almost everybody, mistakes. Number two, mentors. He said you can learn more in a conversation with a mentor and get their 20 years of life experience than you can by making the same mistake and learning the hard way. Man, you can move a whole lot quicker when you're getting the wisdom of others and apply it to your life. <clears throat> you know, we talk about geniuses. A lot of people would start their list of geniuses 
with a man named Leonardo da Vinci. He's the Renaissance man. A lot of you know him as the painter of the Mona Lisa, this great painter. Some people consider him the best. I don't know if you know this or not. He only completed 15 works of art, just 15, because he was way more than a painter. Da Vinci was an inventor. He was an artist. He was an architect. This man was a scientist, a musician's ladies. This is the man you've been looking for. This man had everything. He had everything. He was a mathematician. He was a sculptor. He was a botanist. He would give you the perfect flower for the perfect day. He was the ultimate man. But before he became all of those things, he was none of those things. The only reason we even know about him, most likely, is he had an old, frail master who is a great painter. One day, he's nearing the end of his life. He can feel his frailty coming upon him, and his young pupil is da Vinci, and he's so weak, he can't even necessarily walk anymore. He said, Leonardo, this painting that I started, I want you to finish it. And Leonardo was so like taken aback and had such reverence for his master's skill, he's like, I, I can't do that. I can't do anything like you can. The master just said, do your best. The master left the room. Da Vinci was just worried for like 20 minutes, but then he got on his knees, his hand is shaking, and he starts to pray. He said, Father, give me the power and the skill to finish this great undertaking. And he started to paint, and he lost himself, forgot himself in the process, and spent time and hours finishing the great work. And the next day, his master came in, and his eyes rested on the on the painting, and he looked at Leonardo, asked for the boy to come to him. He said, my son held his face in his hands. I paint no more. I don't need to do this anymore. You know, it's said in leadership that if somebody can do something 70% as well as you, then it's time to delegate it. Do you think 16-year-old Da Vinci was a master yet? No. Probably wasn't his greatest painting. I led youth ministry for a number of years, and I was at breakfast with one of my top leaders. We had about 50, 60, 70 leaders or so at the time, and it's a breakfast with who I considered the top leader. And he asked me a question near the end. I never forgot it. He said, Brandon, he said, what's your vision for youth ministry? And I told him, I just kind of repeated what I told you earlier, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Great Commission, discipleship, it hasn't changed. That's what I seek to do. He said, Brandon, I wonder if your leaders know that. Because I hadn't done a good enough job telling them. So I started, our service would look like 20 minutes worship, 20 minutes message, and then 20 minutes small groups. We had every grade and gender separate into these rows and circles and they would have small groups, and I finished every message the same exact way. I did altar time, I closed, I looked straight up at the youth, and I said, now we're gonna do the best thing that we do. And they would yell back at me what it was because I said it so many times. Small groups, the best thing we do that I was teaching them, I think it's biblical, wasn't worship, 
It wasn't the message. It was being discipled and then learning to become the discipler, living out the model. I had 14-year-olds training 12-year-olds. I had 12-year-olds training 9-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 14-year-olds. How well do you think they did? I don't know. You've met 14-year-olds. But man, let me tell you, if they can do it, you can do it. You can do it. How spiritual do you think they were? Eh, I don't know. You can't just blame it on that, your, your maturity level, what you evaluate yourself at. You just gotta start. You gotta obey. You gotta be a disciple and then do the same thing. Number three, or before I go to number three, I would look around in your life and see who you want to emulate. Who do you wanna emulate? Who do you respect? Who do you admire? then I, what I would do is I would send them a nice text. I would be sweet, short, concise, and ask them for an hour of your time and then show up ready. Show up ready. You know, leaders are looking for the right investment. They're looking for the right investment. They may not promise you the year, but they will most likely give you one time. And then when you come back, they'll see what you have done with what they gave you. And if you keep applying the solutions to your problems, they will keep mentoring you, meeting you, leading you, discipling you. The way to have open doors in life is to have mentors in the fight. As I close, number three, mine through the dirt to find the gold. Andrew Carnegie, one of the 10 wealthiest people to ever live, one of the most successful one day a reporter came to him, said, Mr. Carnegie, you know, as we looked at the roster of your team and who works for you, we saw that you had 43 millionaires working for you. How did you persuade these people to work for you? He said, well, they weren't millionaires when they started working for me. They're millionaires because they worked for me. He said, well, Mr. Carnegie, let me ask you another question. How did you find the right people to develop and invest in? You say, you know, it's a lot like mining. In the same way that you have to mine through tons of dirt to find an ounce of gold, you have to mine and dig past the dirt of the person in front of you and see the gold. Who in your life do you see the gold in? Who in your life do you see the potential in? Do you see the purpose in? Do you see the destiny in? And guess what? A lot of times, they don't even see it yet. And if you don't see it for them, chances are they'll never know. And you are the person to say something. Because not everybody, as you know, gets it by the end of their life. What if you were the one to highlight the greatness that God deposited in that other person in front of you. The bottom line in leadership isn't how far we advance other, ourselves, but how far we advance others. Not just about us. So how do you mentor people? How do you mentor leaders? Four things. 
Choose who you mentor. Don't let them choose you. We see examples of both in the Bible. Elisha chose Elijah, Ruth chose Naomi. Joshua wouldn't leave Moses. But Jesus' disciples did not choose him, he chose them. And I think it's a beautiful picture of us that while we were still in sin, God loved you, God chose you, he marked you, and he picked his disciples. See, letting others pick who you mentor would be like selecting your investments based on answering a phone call where you don't know who it is and it's a salesman saying you should invest in this. No, you pick them. Who do you see the gold in? Number two, set expectations up front for both of you. Let me say it like this. Have an understanding so there is no misunderstanding. Lay the groundwork, be thorough, be prepared. I've said this a couple times, but here at Oaks, our staff, we have expectations. We have a standard to live by. You just don't come and work here on accident. Your behavior isn't an accident. No, we have about 15 things. And if you're doing these things, you're right on track. And if there's ever room for improvement, one of these things are highlighted. One of them is having a can-do perspective. We're not negative people. We have a no-lids mindset. Just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean that we can't do it. <clears throat> We're open to feedback without being defensive or negative. We're on time, all the time. We have a meeting at 10, you're there at 9.59, we start at 10. The door's locked. I'm kidding, no, it's not locked. I thought about it, I thought about it. <laughs> Haven't done that. Be a tither. Man, we're not gonna preach tithing. We're not gonna preach giving our first 10% back to God. How can we expect God to get involved in our finances if we aren't involved in the way he does finances? Amen. Can't happen. You think God's blessing is gonna be on your financial life if you don't put him first? That's the key. That's the first step. And there is no second step if you don't do the first step. Another one, I'll move to number three. If someone offends you, you don't go tell other people about it. You go straight to the person and tell them, just like it says in Matthew 18. And guess what? If someone comes to you and tells you about an offense, you already know who's in the wrong and who's in the right because they're coming to you and not some other person, the person that did it. Number three, personalize. You're mentoring. Number four, care enough to have crucial conversations. You know, people in life often don't have the hard conversations. When asked why, they might say, I'm too loving, caring, I care too much about that person, I don't really wanna tell them that. I can't tell them that to their face. But my Bible says in Hebrews 12 that God disciplines me because he loves me. Because he loves me. You know, if God stops disciplining me, I have another problem. I got another problem. That's why it's encouraged to have love and truth, not one without the other. 
guess what? One without the other doesn't work very well. It's not very persuading. Doesn't come across that great. Have you ever met somebody too honest? You like that person? No. You ever felt, met somebody too loving and nothing ever got done? You need love and truth. That's why Paul said, Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, he said, then we will no longer be immature like children. How? Instead, we will speak the truth in love. What happens then? Growing more and more like Christ. There's immaturity, there's telling the truth in love, and then there's growth. Conflict, not comfort, is the catalyst for growth. You know, this whole last year, if I could describe my, me and Angel were talking the other day, we said, man, what, what areas have you grown this year? We each listed about two to three things, but I said mine, I was like, honestly, I was like, this has been the year of difficult conversations, having conversations that I don't really wanna have, but if I don't have it, then the same thing's gonna keep having, happening over and over again. You know, you gotta respect your life and your destiny and your purpose enough to bring up some stuff in a godly, loving, and truthful way, in the right tone, in the right spirit. I never bring anything up when I'm emotional. It's always non-emotional. It's always data on purpose. Because it's not about the other person, it's about maybe performance or how can we grow together. See, a lot of life is just choosing your pain. Do you choose the pain of eating right and working out or do you want the pain of premature disease? Do you want the pain of having a hard conversation or do you want the pain of having the same thing happen over and over to you? Everyone must choose one of two pains, the pain of discipline, the pain of regret. One more short story, I'll close, back in the 80s. A man named Peter Drucker, he was a leadership guru, management expert, had about 12 people over to his house. And he invested in them for a couple days, but then on the last day, everybody sat down, they had their cup of coffee, they had their notepad, and he started talking and everybody listened. He said, everything that I have set up to this point is not as important as what I'm about to share now. Who are you going to mentor? Who are you gonna mentor? Who are you gonna lead? Who are you gonna disciple? And he spent the next couple hours explaining the importance of it. And every single one in that room went out into the world and did what Mr. Drucker said. So that is my one question to you. And you gotta do it today. Man, don't let the inspiration pass. Don't let the emotion pass. Write it down, put it on your phone, make a note, make a reminder to call them, text them, who in your life can you develop? Who can you invest in? Because someone needs you. They need your love, they need your guidance, they need your wisdom. Guess what, they need your presence. You know, and I'm aware that probably 10 people are gonna do this. But man, what if 20% of you did this? What if 50% of you started living this out? You know how different our church would look? You know how much more open and inviting like Jesus Christ, inviting everyone to church, 
You know, everyone is invited to church, not just Christians. You know, it's a hospital for the sick, not for the healthy. And we are the church. We should be the nicest, friendliest, open people you have ever met. And thankfully, that is a compliment that our church gets, that we're friendly. But man, we can be friendlier. We can be more inviting. We can say like Jesus' disciples said about Jesus, come and see. Just come and see. And when they come and see, then they'll taste and see that God is good. So follow Jesus, find a mentor, and choose someone to mentor. That's the genius of discipleship, and that's the secret sauce for growing his church and your family. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for the purpose and the destiny that you put on our lives, that you saw something in us. But nobody else saw the gold, they just saw the dirt, that you saw the gold on the inside of us. Today, God, we choose to follow you. I pray that you put on everybody's mind in here and their spirit, that you drop who their mentor should be, that you put a picture of somebody of who they're called to develop and disciple. Give us the courage, tenacity to obey you. We know that falls on us, but may we be obedient people. And if you're here in the room, Maybe you said, Brandon, I really, really love two and three, but I'm not doing one yet. I haven't been doing one as good as I should have been. Maybe today's your day to make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're watching online or listening to a podcast, and today's your day. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's not next month. None of us are promised an hour from now. If you're in the room, let's all say it together. Let's just make a commitment and say, Father, I receive your love. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you lived a perfect life, that you died. Best of all, you rose again. Today, I choose to follow you. My life is different now. I and save Jesus name amen we pray this message has blessed your life and if it has we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church it's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button on behalf of Oaks Church Thanks for listening and have a great week.